AFK, how's it going? Hey, what's poppin', man? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. What's going Thanks on, buddy? Thanks for joining buddy? me tonight. Absolutely, brother. I don't know if you remember this, but you actually came on my show in Portsmouth eight or nine years ago. Wow, huh? That long ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do and, remember. Uh, I was yeah, with Billy Bags, right? Yeah. I want to thank you again for that because um, the first two years, the show was on midnight to 2 a.m. And it was really hard to get people on at that time. And uh, so you guys were, were some of the only people that came through until the, the show changed until 10 to 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We crept up there late night, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, I like doing weird stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So um, I, I want to uh, go back a little bit first. And uh, I like to, like, get people's history a little bit. Um, for you, did you act – are you originally from Lynn? Have you always lived there? So, so yeah, uh, I lived in Lynn until I was about 28 years old, to answer your question. Yep. You know, had a family. Moved out of uh, Lynn, went to Everett. Now I'm in Revere. I'm about uh, 10 minutes away from Lynn. So I'm in Lynn um, all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, growing up there, do you remember when you were first exposed to hip hop, like your first memory of it or how you got involved? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, shit, man. You know, I got older sisters and uh, where I lived, you know, the neighborhood, the neighborhood was... uh, was on and popping, if you will, you know, and, uh, you know, Run DMC, Rockbox came out, Fat Boys, then uh, shortly after that, you know, Public Enemy, um, it was just crazy, you know, I grew up in, um, you know, I was, I was probably, when I was 11 years old, it was probably like 1988, I think I was 11 in 88 or something like that, mm-hmm. so that's when I really started getting into it, uh, discovered, uh, Boogie Down Productions, my boy Sean Mooney, R.I.P., who I was in a group with early on. On, you know, I was into Run DMC and you know Fat Boys and all that. But when he put me onto Boogie Down Productions, that's when I went totally in. And after that, I started discovering the Big Daddy Canes and you know all the other, uh, all the other um, legends. You know. Yeah. Now, were you calling yourself JFK way back then in that group? No, I absolutely not. <laughs> um, my boy called me the troubleshooter instead of the troubleshooter. I was the treble shooter. Uh, had a bunch of names, the double R. Cause back then, you know, my name was Randy Wren. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was just young. I was, you know, I started rapping. When I was 11 years old, you know? So it was like, you know, so I called myself Randy Wren, uh, double R way before the rough riders. The reason why I didn't run with the double R is because the rough riders came out around 99. So I didn't want to sound like, I was copying them, but yeah, I call myself Randy Rand, the troubleshooter. Um, I was in a group called AWOL, All Walks of Life. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, the name of the group was called One Race, you know, not the black race, not the white race, the human race. It actually stood for One Nation Ending Racism and Copied Entities. So, you know, it got deep, man, with the graffiti stuff and, you know, it was, just, it was just it was just a different vibe back then. You know, everything was like, how creative could you be? You know what I mean? So we was just straight going crazy on the creative tip yeah now um looking back is there any like pioneers or anyone like that raps back then that was really good from lynn that never 
really got their shine or, or proper due? Yeah, man. I mean, I would say it was my guy, Moondog. Um, you know, like I said, his name's Sean Mooney. He passed away. He actually got murdered back in 2008. Um, you know, he was nasty. You know, he mm-hmm. was before his time as far as what the bar work went, as far as writing goes. You know, because yeah. there's a lot of people out there who rap and uh, they don't really understand how the writing goes. And he was ahead of his time as far as the way he wrote his rhymes and, uh, you know, with the compound syllables. And, you know, when I look back now and I listen to some of that stuff, I'm like, wow, you know, he, he understood stood that format way back then. So I would say uh, Moondog was his rap name, um, Sean Mooney. Absolutely. Do you, do you actually have any old recordings from back then? Yes. Yeah. Wow. I got stuff from 91, man, 92. I got videos from 91 and 92 when I was 15 years old. In 92, I was 15. So, yeah, I got videos. You know, we were the first group ever to have videos because all our boys were big graffiti artists, you know. And uh, one of my guys, his name was Hate. Uh, he uh, ended up getting a scholarship to the Museum of Fine Arts. And so we started going back and forth on the bus and train to the Museum of Fine Arts. And upstairs they had a a video room because that's a form of art. And then downstairs they had the studio because that's a form of art. So with him having a scholarship, we had access to all that. So we ended up hooking up with the uh, teacher from the video room. And he put us on with some students that was about to graduate. And they started shooting videos for us early on. So back then, dudes only had a tape, you know, with a demo, and we were given VCR tapes, like, yo, check check me out, you know, showing yeah. straight videos. Back then, that was unheard of, you know? Yeah. Is there any, um, like, uh, memorable places you guys performed, or do you remember your first performance? Oh, yeah. Uh, back then, so back in the early 90s, right, you know, you, you got to understand, it was, there was groups like Joint Venture, um, R.I.P., uh, I think the the um, front man of the group was named Ty. Um, joint venture. They actually signed to a major label back then. Profile. There was uh, Posse and Effects. Mm-hmm. There was this. Uh, there was, uh, you know, then you had New Edition. Then you had New Kids on the Block, Maki Mock. So you had, you know, you had both. You had both. You had some Street Cats, RSO, obviously, you know, with Benzino, Rock Shit On, Posse. You had all these, you know, these different vibes back then going on and um top choice click cat um he's actually a basketball coach now he's on my page but um there was a lot of groups from boston way back then um yeah but back then it was talent shows and it was a lot of talent shows there was this uh place in kenmore square called narcissus there was a place in quincy called footprints um so yeah one of the first places i ever performed was narcissus out in kenmore square back in like probably 91 then there was a but I would say my most memorable one was uh, at the Canton in Canton, Massachusetts, probably 1992. I performed with Lisa, Lisa in the Cult Jam, um, with Kid and Play and Big Daddy Kane. Wow! And it was it was over 21, so they had to get me in. They had to sneak me in. I was I was 15. They had to sneak me in. I we opened up for them out in Canton, Mass. Um, and then I think around like 93, we opened up for uh, Master Ace and the Old Palace over here mm-hmm. in uh, Saugus, Mass. Yeah, I remember not, that. I, I went there once. Yeah, they had the Bahama Beach Club over there in Manchester, New Hampshire, too. Like, it was like the same type of vibe. They had like the same club name, the Bahama Beach Club over here and the Bahama Beach Club. I think it was in Manchester, New Hampshire. It was on and popping. So, yeah, I had mm-hmm. some 
early on, yeah, man, I was running around hustling, man. Like I said, it was all talent shows back then because everybody was following the pattern of new kids in the block, Maki Mock, and, you know, they used to have all these talent shows. And that's how Boston artists got seen, you know, chasing that dream that, hey, if I do this talent show, there's going to be some guy in the audience. He's going to see me. He's going to sign me, you know, so that's that's how it was back then. Is Did you know Mark Wahlberg way back then from rapping? I actually, so the funny story about Mark Wahlberg, so I actually ran into Mark Wahlberg in like 92. I ran into his boys. He actually showed up because, you know, he was, he was like number one, you know, he was yeah, all he over the radio. Up. Yeah, he was, he was running amok out here. So, <laughs> so what happened was back then he would just be, you know, popping up places, you know. The same way like terminology might pop up at a place now. So he would be popping up at these little local local uh, talent shows, like I said. So I ran into him one time in like 92. I ran into him at, like I said, this place called Footprints in Quincy, Mass. It wasn't too far from Quincy Station, the bus station. So he was out there hanging out with all his boys, you know what I mean? The Funky Bunch. And he was out there and I ran into him. And, uh, you know, that was the first time I actually like shook his hand. What's up? How you doing? I kept it moving. I wasn't really a big fan. You know what right. I mean? I was into the hardcore hip hop, you know, the Tribe Called Quest, the Naughty by Nature, the Lord Finesse, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, cats like that. And then there was him. So it was like, there was a difference. You know, I put my all into the pen back then and I was studying the game and I just didn't think he did the same, you know? So, and plus back then it was like, you know, he was on the, there was Vanilla Ice, Maki Mock, MC Hammer, cats like that. And then you had the third base. The yeah. tribe called quest so he fell on that spectrum you know but yeah. uh, i was all love you know but when i actually first met mark i met him uh in 1998 oh okay yeah i met him. i mean not met him but kicked it with him you know really got to know him and you know became friends with him in 1998 so like i said i met him in 92 1998 you know created a relationship with him yeah so i actually first heard you on statics um second album stick to the script yeah and uh you had the interlude and at the end you said there's too many rappers not enough fans absolutely and uh it's funny because that that and that last line it's like popped up in my head so many times you know like since you said it because so many people have tried rapping since then you know especially in in new hampshire or other places in new england yeah yeah absolutely um i was actually part of um stick to uh excuse me spell my name right that album too i actually should have been on that album quiet as kept craig you know i actually co-executive produced that album that's when i first got with static and we were getting the label off the ground you know people have their stories about how show off records started yeah show off records initially started with that spell album. my name right you know that's what and I that's figured. when i came into the picture and yeah. uh so dare i say if i didn't come into the picture there might have not been spell my name right but like i said dare i say that you know what i mean i guess other people might want to say it in a different way but i might have to say if it wasn't for me there would be no spell my name right so i came into the picture to make that album actually happen make the rex album happen to kind of get things going it was when i came in i met static they was at a stuck point they had a buzz but you know they didn't have a budget you know you yeah. can have the biggest buzz in the world but back then especially you know a lot of these rappers were you know, like the, uh, you know, the Styles P and, and cats like that, they were running around scrambling how they were going to make money. 
So they were making a lot of money off the college kids paying for features and, you know, things like that. That's how they was making their money, you know, because the Internet was popping with the uh, with the blogs. So a lot of these kids were reaching out through MySpace, paying these rappers for features. And these kids were and, you know, cats like and I just use Styles P as an example, you know, Mm -hmm. cats like him, you know, were running around doing the college circuit and doing things like that, making their money because hip hop was like in a limbo stage. Like, where was it going? You know, and that's where like static and term was like they was just they had everything going on. They was on college radio. They was buzzing. It was in between the CD era and the iTunes era. It was like, where is hip hop going? It was blog sites, social media just started happening with MySpace. It was like, where's it going? You know, so everybody was trying to figure it out. And then I came in and was like, yo, let's just stop the bullshit. What do we got to do to make this happen? And uh, spell my name right happen. And then shortly after, stick to the script. And with stick to the script, you know, it's funny. I had took a back seat because, you know, I could have stepped in and been like, yo, I want to get on this track or that track. But I just figured, hey, less is more. And I said, hey, let's do let's do like a skit because that's what was missing in hip hop doing like skits. So I was like, let's do like a skit rap where I walk up to you, you know, and say, hey, yo, Static, what's up? You know, blah, blah, blah. And talk about what's going on around us. We named the track Sound of the Street. And that was the last line is too many rappers, not enough fans. And, uh, you know, basically how you're going to get over when you're up against that, you know? Yeah. Do you remember when you first met static? Absolutely. I met static in um, I met static in the Bronx. He was living in this beat up apartment with his girlfriend terminology was there. And, uh, you know, we did, we did, uh, we worked on a track together. I forget the name of it, but we worked on some music. And that was uh, that was like 2000 going into 2007. So that was like 06 in the Bronx at his apartment. Yeah. Now, when you first met him in in term, did you did you immediately think like these guys are focused on another level? No. Compared to other artists? I, I, you know, it was it was. um, You know, I'll tell you, man. I had the relationship with Mark Wahlberg, right? At the same time, my relationship with Mark was real. Like we, Mark wasn't married at the time. Mark, you gotta understand, Mark in 07 was only like 32 years old. He was still like a young Mark. And, you know, the entourage was just starting to come out. And, uh, you know, he was going on another run, you know? And, and honestly, the run hasn't stopped since then, right? Yeah. But um, he was going on another run. I was familiar. And Mark always told me, Randy, listen, man, I'll hold you down with the hip hop. But it has to be relevant. It can't be dated. It, you know, so I was always working on albums, working on music. And I knew Mock had a complex with himself, which means is he didn't want to look like, you know, he's Mocky Mock at the end of the day. So it's like, is he the culture vulture? Like, you know what I mean? He was always yeah. worried about people exposing the Mocky Mock guy. So I knew that I had to get with some guys that had the hip hop stamp. So right. with Static Selector having the st- Static Selector, and he was, you know, he made the mixtapes. Nobody even knew who the guy was. They just knew that noise, the Static Selector. And they knew, you know, get familiar, get, get, get familiar from Clinton Sparks. So everybody was chasing the mixtapes, the Static Selector mixtapes, the Clinton Sparks mixtapes, you know, and they really didn't give a shit who it was, whether it was a white guy or what. They didn't care. They just loved that st- Static Selector, you know, uh, the way they was doing the mixtapes back then. So. I knew that they had the buzz and they had the college radio going and I knew the style of music that they was doing. It was kind of like there was so much music 
coming out back then, like with the Yin Yang Twins and all this different trap music and all this different, everybody's trying to catch a sound, right? Yeah. And I seen that Static was just sticking to the old school ways, the 90s sound with the cutting and the scratches and that primo sound. To me, that's the flawless sound of hip hop. It just never goes still. You know, right. so I'm like, if we stick with this sound, we'll be able to survive. If we stay on the underground, then ageism doesn't matter. Nothing will ever matter. Because as long as we stay in this pocket, we'll always be able to have a career out of this years later. And I seen the vision back then. And, and obviously Static did too. You know what I mean? Because he was making the music. But when I seen what he was on the same level as me, like, yo, let's just stay in this pocket right here. You know, we'll be all right. And that's what we did. So, yeah, did I see the vision back then? To answer your question, yeah, I seen the vision, you know, um, that if we stayed in that pocket and we didn't sway from the sound, we'd be all right. You know what I mean? Plus, um, back then, like New York, a lot of New York MCs or most of them were trying to rap like they're from down south. Like the traditional hip hop sound was really it was going away a lot, unfortunately. And um, I feel like oh. you guys really had a lot to do with just bringing back the, you know, the classic hip hop and keeping it alive. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, a lot of rappers were in limbo, like the Cassidy's, the Saigon's, like all the, and I use their names, you know, Styles P. Excuse me for name dropping these guys, no, but I'm only fun. using their names because we're going back to that time, you yeah. know, to spell my name right, to stick to the script. These were basically all the guys that were featured on them albums, you know, and, right. uh, you know, started the whole wave that was a part of the show off history. So they were like in limbo. I don't know if that's the right word. Does that make sense, Craig? Yeah, definitely. They were like in limbo. Like, what am I going to do? Like you said, like everybody's got the South. Everybody's doing this. Like, what do we do? So, you know, Static kind of was like, yo, let's just do these speeches. Let's just do some cutting, some scratches, some dope videos. Let's just make music and let's just stick to the script. You know what yeah. I mean? And there you have it. So, and it, it just worked, man. And like I said, we're blessed that we came out in the MySpace era, the blog site era, because during them eras, you know, we that's how we uh, gathered our fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. And our fans stuck with us. So we're blessed that them fans from back then stuck with us, you know? And um, so it's tough. Like I said, you know, to fast forward it now, it's tough. It's tough now for the kids because their followers are not necessarily fans. You know, like these kids be on TikTok, got hundreds of thousands of followers. But how many of their how many of these followers are their fans? And then it's their job to turn the followers into fans. Right. And it's hard when you got a million girls twerking their ass and people getting in car crashes and murders and COVID and, and presidents and wrestling, whatever it is. It's like everything's mixed up. You know, there's yeah. no separation. So how d does an artist get through all that and has the and have these followers really rock with them as fans and buy their merchandise and come out to their shows? But back then we were lucky enough to get involved in a wave where these cats followed us where our fans supported us through the change from CDs into the iTunes, you know, into the shows. They just followed us and they stuck with us because they believe exactly what you believe, what you just said. They, they say, hey, these guys are responsible for keeping this sound alive. So we're lucky that mystique that we have, you know, that was basically our mystique. And I told Static this. I said, Static, your mystique is that you work with so many people people just don't understand how that works. Like, how can you work with this many people and keep coming out with this, this many projects? It's kind of like, wow, how does he do that? So that's a mystique that he has. And that's what's mm. lost in the game is mystique. 
And Static will always have that mystique because he works like nobody else's business. And nobody works as fast as him and nobody has the connections that he has. And more so, Static is blessed because just people like him. You know what yeah. I mean? I told him, I said, I just don't understand. All these people love you, dude. How do you get all these people to like you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's the mystique. People just wonder, wait a minute, how do you do a song with 2 Change? What? Got a song with Nas? Oh, shit. He got one with Black Thought and Conway? Huh? Joey Badass? And what, he's with Russ? How does, what? You know, it's, it's pretty crazy. Because if you're looking at it from a standpoint as a fan or even just an artist from around the way, you're trying to figure out how is he how is he making these connections? How can he sleep at night? How does he make this happen? So that's the mystique of show off. Like how do we how do we keep this uh you know, how do we keep this boat afloat? You know what I mean? How do we keep going? So as long as we keep that mystique and we keep um, you know, these unrealistic ideas that we have sometimes and making them realistic, we'll be all right. Yeah. So out of all the Incredible track statics produced. Is there any that stand out as your favorites? Yeah, I would say uh right off top, I would say um is uh Bird's Eye View. Yeah, I was just thinking that too. I like uh Stop Look and Listen a lot too. Stop Look and Listen, absolutely. That's one of them. Yeah. Um let's see. You put out um two all green everything mixtapes. Is there yep. any plans to do another one? I mean to me, see it's all about placement, right? You know, and it's all about placing your music. And I think that's what people are lost with. A lot of these kids don't understand. Cause even before I met static, you know, to go, you know, I've been doing my thing before static, you know, I had a record deal in 1992. I was signed to blunt records, which was a part of TVT records. It was actually the same record label that, um, channel Mike Live Geronimo was, on. was on it. Yeah. Mike Geronimo was on it. We had a, we had a, um, 12 inch deal way back then in 1992 we never seen the light of day honestly i think that we got played for a bunch of money not a bunch of money probably for like five thousand or something i never seen a dime of it but we printed up a couple of vinyls and some tapes and stuff but it just never went nowhere and uh, we was dealing with this shady manager who used to work for record labels back then and uh, like i said i was young i was 15 and i had my my boy sean mooney you know moondog my uh, partner in my group he was older than me he was 21 at the time so he was basically the front man of the group handling all the business and i was just i didn't care i just wanted to do this thing called rap you know i went to the i went to new york back in 1992 and if you ever been to new york in 1992 i mean it will turn you out you know what i mean so i was like holy shit this is where i want to be you know it was crazy um but yeah, so we had a record deal back then. And um, so the fast forward to 2000, 2001, I ended up hooking back up with that manager. You know, I ended up hitting him up and he was telling me about placement. And he had put me up with this uh, this guy named Sean from L.A. And I sent him some music and we started putting some of the music that I had, these loose tracks. I mean, which is still great tracks that I have to this day. And we put them into soap operas. We put them into TV. We put them into some NBA games back then. And I was making money, making money through BMI back then. So when I met Static, that was my whole, that was my whole idea when I was talking about Mark. I kind of jumped off that, the segue back into that. So when I met Static, I had Mark. So I knew that we could take this music as long as we had the hip hop stamp by DJ Premier, the Q-Tips, and everybody was stamping us as, yo, these guys, yeah, they're from Boston. But they got the hip-hop stamp. We could go to Mark, and we could put a lot of this music inside the TV shows and stop making money through the BMI money. 
you know, placement. And that's yeah. all I was thinking about was making money, making a career. And because I was doing that early on when I met Static, I was getting checks every three months, mm. you know, off the soap opera net network. Because when the soap opera network re-ears, uh, uh, you know, repeats an episode, you get paid off that. Right. So I was getting all these repeat episodes and I was getting like paid like two bucks. So like every three months I was seeing anywhere between 400 to $500. It wasn't a lot of money, but still it was money. And my vision was like, oh shit, if I can make this little money, then why can't I make big money? So I was always thinking about placement, placement and business wise and keeping the relationships uh, tight. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I was at with that as far as uh, placement goes and uh, the all green everything. That's that was my mentality with that. As long as the Celtics are doing good, we can add a mixtape behind it, and you know people get the casual fans, the casual fans who love the Celtics, add some music to it, and then people will see our music through you know the games or whatever. And we did it with 18 on the last Growth album with Millie's. You know we kind of did the AGE vibe on that. Yeah, and that's uh, a good song. Yeah, you know, and they were doing good back then. They was in the bubble. It's just all about documenting the times and having some type of legs and having people say, hey, I was here when this happened. Or, I, I remember I was there when that happened. So it's all about trying to add some legs to the projects and, uh, you know, gain traction, you know? Yeah. So um, speaking of like history and stuff, um, you made a crazy track with Mac Miller, 17. Mm. Uh, what's your first memory of Mac and how did that come about, that song? Yeah, so... You know, like I said, show off is built of unrealistic ideas, you know, like here we are, we're in a Brooklyn basement and, uh, you know, we're Boston kids. We're all from different areas of Massachusetts. Terminology's from Lawrence. Static is from New Hampshire, Lawrence. Then you got Rex, who's from Lawrence. I'm from Lynn. You got Slane, who's from, you know, the Southie High Park area. Jay Song, who's from, you know, the inner city of Boston and you know, Saigon's from this place and, you know, freeways popping through from Philly and, you know, all these people are just from all these different places. Then you got legends popping through who did, you know, songs for Jay-Z back in the day and Q-tips. And so the show off basement was a pretty crazy place, you know, and it was it was a it was a tough spot to work your music at because there were so many artists working a day there. Mm -hmm. So my mentality was always a demo mentality, meaning I always was like, hey, as long as my music, people can see the potential in the music, then I'll gather some fans. And then when I get the time later on to tighten everything up and be able to really concentrate and lock in, I'll be all right. Because I'll have the fans who will, you know, rock with me through, through them times. So some of the rhymes back then, if you listen to early JFK stuff, and I'll be the first to say it, some of the shit was choppy. But that was because the work environment it wasn't so easy you gotta understand static was 24 years old 25 years old you know what i mean he's 40 this year yeah you know what i mean so you got a 24 25 year old static running around brooklyn new york during like i said the change from uh from you know the the um what do they call it they call it the um uh what is it called when the, um when they when they're building around everything um gentrification oh yeah you know so you know we're like we're like in between that and the hipsters the hipsters movement you know tight pants like we're going from baggy pants to the tight jean era like everything was like making this change and like here we are dead in the middle of it 
you know, and everybody was in different phases of their life. And static happened to be in terminology, happened to be these young cats. You know what I'm saying? They was young. So it was hard to create music. So it wasn't the easiest place to be an artist and create. It was like, okay, get on the mic and spit. And it's like, okay, you don't, you're not getting three or four takes. There's, yeah. there's like seven other MCs like sitting in back of you, fiending to get on that microphone. There's Hennessy, there's weed in the air, there's people sweeping upstairs on the floor, there's girls walking through the door. There's, it's just a wild fucking That's place. That's crazy. So you got to have the mentality like, yo, man, I'll do this to the best of my ability, get it done, push it out there because we got the blog sites. We're going to get it all on the blogs. We're going to email blast people. We're going to put it on the college radio and we're just going to gather the fans. So like I said, my mentality was potential. So with that being said, unrealistic ideas, we sit in there and I keep seeing this guy, Mac Miller, me and Static are just watching the internet. And YouTube basically was the only TikTok back then. So we're just watching, you know, YouTube and we're seeing this guy, Mac Miller, getting 600,000 views and 300,000 views. We're like, who the hell is this kid, man? How's he getting this many views? So I told Static, yo, hit this kid up. So Static hit him up. He came down to the radio show. He killed that crazy freestyle on the Jay-Z beat. Static was the only person with that instrumental. He played that beat. Mac Miller killed it. Shortly after that, Mac came back to the house. And I had the song 17. And so I looked at Mac and I said, yo, Mac, yo, man, I got this song called 17. It'd be kind of dope. You know, for me, I'm spitting my point of view on how things are from where I'm at now in my life. You know, you could spit where you're at right now because you're about to be the next best thing. And I don't know back then if Mac even knew that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, because he was only 18 years old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if he knew how great and what a legend he was going to end up being. You know what I'm saying? He was like, all right, dude, I'll do it. But also in my mind, the CEO hat I had on was like, yo, Static, this dude ain't got nothing on iTunes. I told Static. So let's do the 17 track with Mac Miller and let's put this shit on iTunes. Yeah. And that's what we did. So we did the 17 track then we put it on iTunes. The shit blew up. And uh, and shortly after that, you know, terminology came to the house, ended up meeting up with Mac, like probably within the 48 hours or whatever. <clears throat> and then Mac told terminology that term was his favorite rapper. Mac told term, yo, you're, you're my favorite rapper. That's so crazy. I said, hey, I just did this track 17 with him. <clears throat> you know, y'all should do a track because, you know, terms more popping than, you know, and that, like I said, I'm throwing my CEO hat on now. Right. Terms more popping than me. It would only make more sense. And that's when you got 8292. Yeah, that's a crazy track. Um, one of my favorite songs from Show Off um, is Drunken Nights. Mm. And um, I was wondering whose idea was that to do a, a track about just having issues with drinking and getting in trouble and stuff from it? That was Rex, man, all day. Hmm. Rex actually, you know, Rex was in the studio. You know, Rex was the uh, franchise. See, terminology back then. He was on his ST dot thing. Yeah. He was he had the separation with show off. Uh he's not like that so much now. I mean, not at all anymore. You know, he doesn't even mention I mean he mentions ST, but back then he, he to him it was ST was ST and show off was show off. And I always had a problem with that, to be honest mm. with you. You know, I had this like, you know, like I just didn't understand it. To me it was corny, but they was young. You know, back to like I said, these kids were young. I was a little older. Yeah. So, you know, when they were 24, I was 31. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. 24, 5, 6, yeah. So I was like 31 years old. 
So I was a little bit older, not much older. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, we all know 31, you still got a stupid mentality. You know, us men don't get mature right. until about 38 <laughs> years old, right? But but still, I was a little bit, I just didn't understand it. You guys are hanging out every day. You guys are boys every day. But, you know, it just, it, it seemed a little weird. But so Rex was the flagship artist of Show Off, right? And it was like this competition between Rex and terminology all the time. You know what I mean? It was like Rex was like the show off voice. And then you had terminology ST, you know, but yet he was the show off voice too. Yeah. So it, it, it just was confusing. I don't know if the casual fan or guys like you ever looked at it that way, but that's the way I looked at it. I it honestly never thought of them as competing against each other. It never crossed my mind. Eh, you know, maybe that's a bad choice of words, but it was a friendly competition. Yeah, friendly maybe, competition. You know, yeah. but um, yeah, so. You know, back then, like I said, term, if you would have asked term back in 2008, 2009, 2009, when that came out, are you show off records or are you ST? He would say, I'm ST. Show wow. off is static and I'm ST. We're two different people. Hmm. But now you tell him, hey, what are you? He'd be like, it's ST show off. Yeah. Now we're together because things had changed and people grew and maybe some people in his crew or whatever he got going on, you know, he realized who's solid and what to stick with. But back then it was like he just wanted his own thing. He wanted to be separate from static. He wanted to be like, yo, status got show off and I got ST because he had a bunch of dudes running with him back then. And a lot of them guys, you know, where do they go? You know, what I mean, like, you know, back in the day, terminology used to rock shows with 30 people on stage. Now when he does a show. It's just him, maybe, and two other people. So it just goes to show you the growth, uh, you know, as people, as human beings, what ends up happening. But, yeah, to answer your question, Rex was just in the studio all the time, you know, creating, creating, creating. And he came up with that hook, Drunken Nights, uh, you know, and I heard it. And I was like, hey, man, let me put my twist on it. And I put my twist on it. And then we had to get somebody else. And uh, Joe Scudder was running amok, <laughs> right? He was out in New York. Hey, come to the basement. And, you know, he came in the basement. He laid down his track. And then, you know, it became became what it is today, you know? Yeah. So um, fast forwarding a little bit to today, um, I saw I didn't see much about this, to be honest. But I, I caught that um, you actually had cancer recently. Mm -hmm. Can you and I know it's extremely personal, but um, yeah. Is there any part of it you want to share with with listeners? You don't have to if you don't want to. Yeah, man, I would just say that if you're, you know, the big reason I really couldn't get too much detail about it on the show off uh, radio because it really wasn't the place for it. You know, I spoke on it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a tough thing to speak on. There's a lot of emotions with it. And, uh, you know, and it's I don't want to be Debbie Downer either. You know, right. like, hey, everybody, you know, get checked because you could have cancer. You know, it's it's I don't want to sign. And I don't want nobody's pity either. You know? Yeah. Well, are you all? Are you, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Are you, I thought the phone died. My bad. Are sorry. you all right now? Like, is everything okay? Yeah. So to answer your question, um, yeah, to answer your question, man, I was in COVID, and um, when I was in COVID protocol, I came up with an idea, Twenty One Bridges, um, you know, about the cancers. My whole mentality about it was was the cancers of the industry, fighting for our life on screen to be seen, and the bridges you cross. From Boston to New York, basically everything we just touched upon all the way to now, you know, we don't touch upon that enough. Being from Boston, going back and forth to New York, the stress, the miles, and then you get your big shot and you could be up out of here. So I was doing it a parallel type rap scheme through the eyes of Chad Bozeman, who basically got his big shot and 
you know, and then what happened to him, which is very sad, R.I.P. Chad Bozeman. So I come up with this idea when I was in uh, COVID protocols. I was sick with COVID. Then I get out of COVID about three weeks later, back in August. And, uh, you know, I hit the gym and I'm feeling good. And for some reason, you know, this rhyme was sticking with me. You know, I just couldn't shake this feeling with this rhyme. So I just figured, hey, man, I'm going to spit it. So I got in my car and I uh, went on Instagram and I spit the rhyme and uh in a spoken word form. And, uh, you know, and I said exactly what I said right now. You know, the cancers of the industry, R.I.P. Chad Bozeman, you don't ba- you basically don't know what the next man's going through out here. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I spit the uh, rhyme, 21 bridges, 24 bars. About four days later after I spit that rhyme, you know, to put it polite, I went to the bathroom, number two. There was blood in my stool. I said, what the fuck is going on? I went to the hospital. They did an emergency colonoscopy, some other tests, the um, the endoscopy, the one that goes down your throat, if I'm saying that right, excuse me. Um, so I was in the hospital for four days, and they come back, and they say I got colon cancer. So not only was I out of my mind thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe I got colon cancer. This is insane. You know, what actually went through my mind right at the same time was like, wow, I just came up with this rhyme, 21 Bridges, making a parallel of a yeah, rhyme album that I wanted to create called 21 Bridges about the parallels of the cancers of the industry and fighting for your life on screen to be seen because what happened to Chad Bozeman, here he is performing at his height. He's killing it. And and people had the nerve to say when he was in the movie 21 Bridges, oh, Chad Bozeman lost a lot of weight. He looks like he's smoking crack or he doesn't look healthy. He needs to chill out. People would like, you know, talking shit about him. Yeah. And, you know, and here he is with four stage can't four, um, you know, stage four um, colon cancer, dying. But he still performed that, you know, a class act, still performed that his greatness. Yeah. And um, and here I am, like I said, I three weeks before this, I come up with this idea. And here I am three weeks later with colon cancer. So it's like I knew I had colon cancer mentally without yeah, knowing. Maybe, maybe, yeah. And uh, someone could say the COVID brought out the colon cancer because I had COVID. Did the COVID push out the cancer? I don't know. But to answer your question, I'm good. I had surgery. Uh, that's a tough. That's a tough surgery. I got eight inches of my colon removed. I got the tumor removed, some lymph nodes removed, because that's how they do the last final staging. There's all different things you have to go through before they can find uh, stage your cancer. The final stages that they put it in, yeah. and uh, they got to do CT scans. Then you got to do the surgery. They take your lymph nodes out, and then they run that to pathology. So it's a very scary process. You know, talk about anxiety. It's not it's not a pretty thing. I don't wish it on anybody. And um, but I'm good now. I had the surgery when I was in surgery back in September. I got out. Of, um, I got out the hospital in October. I had a little setback. I was in the hospital for nine days. I went in the hospital weighing like a buck eighty five. I came out weighing like a buck sixty something. So I lost a ton of weight, like 20 pounds or something. So that really hit me because, you know, I'm a guy who takes pride in working out and things like that. So I'm still trying to get back my weight. You know, I'm back to like almost 200 pounds now, but still I can't really do a lot of things because because of the surgery. And I'm an older gentleman, not not too old, but still it's, it takes a little while to heal from something like that. And uh, yeah, so I'm good now. But like I said, a lot of our fan base, the kids are over 30 years old. You know what I mean? So it's like kids are getting uh, colon cancer younger and younger. So if you never had a colonoscopy, go get one. 
uh, it yeah. can save your life. You know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm 41, and I, I've been dreading getting one at some point in in my 40s, you know? Well, I'll tell you, man, you know, I'm not I'm not too, you know, I'm ahead of you from a couple of years, but I'll tell you this, my man, um, if, if, if you could get one, go get one. You know what I'm saying? Because that it, it gets younger and younger. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be where I was at and find out, oh, my God, I have cancer. You know what right. I mean? It's 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 like the whole ordeal. It happens so fast. You know, one minute you got it. You find out you have it. You're in the hospital. You have surgery and then you're out the hospital. And then, you know, and then you got to sit back and take a breath and realize what's going on. And then, you, you know, there's so many horror stories you read, the negative about it. There's a lot of positive stories. But, you know, you read a lot of negative stories, too. That ain't so good. And, uh, you know, so it's it's a lot to deal with, man. So if you can just do something as simple as that, the procedure, to speak on that, the procedure is real light. It's real easy, real light sedation. You go in there, man, they they put you out. You're not even really knocked out like that. And it takes about a half hour. Hmm. And You know what I mean? You wake up and it's over. And then guess what? You know where you stand. You know what yeah. I mean? And if you do got something cancerous in you and it's small enough, they can just pull it out. You know what I'm saying? When it's pre-trans cancerous, you know what I'm saying? So it can definitely save your life. So um, not long before this um, album, 21 Bridges, you actually, you put out two other projects in a short amount of time uh, mm-hmm. with Wade Barber. Um, yep. How did you link up with him? And do you guys, uh, is there a third in the works together? Uh, we'll see. You know what I'm saying? We'll see. Um, there'll probably be something going on in the future, you know? Um you know, with me and Wade, <clears throat> I actually got Wade on Static Selector's last album too. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was good hearing him on there. The balancing act with C.J. Fly, Nick, uh, Nick Grant, and J.F.K. He ca- he actually came up with the hook, and he came up with the um, he came up with the actual name of the song, Balance Beam. So that's pretty cool. You know, Wade yeah. Baba. That's that was probably. That was a real big look for him. You know, he's been hustling. But I hooked up with Wade when he was 18 years old. I hooked up with him around 2010, right around the Mac Miller, Chris Webby, Sam Adams era, you know? And I was like, hey, this is a guy named Wade Barber. And that was his real name, no gimmick. And, you know, he had a flow to him. He was my nephew's friends. He's younger than me. You know, Wade's going to be, I think, 30 years old this year. So he was my nephew's friends, and he had a lot of potential. I started working with him back then. And, um... We put out a series of, uh, we did, this is how we do it in the 90s. We started doing all these videos back in 2017, all the way up until 2020. And we're doing all these videos and doing all these songs over 90s beats. And I was basically just trying to polish up the skills because that's what people don't understand. You got to be polished. You got to know what you want to say, when you're going to say it. The, you know, w- what do you want to name the song? What's the track list going to look like? There's a lot that goes into an album if you want it to have a classic appeal, if you want it to last, you know? So I just thought, like, back in 2017, 2018, even 2016, you know, me, like I said, me and Bob, we've been rocking for years. But around 2017, we put the gas on and we started doing all these these crazy uh, loose tracks, if you will. Really not connected to nothing. We called it This Is How We Do It in the 90s. We made a little logo for it. We put out a mixtape, you know, um, for people who wanted to find it. It was on uh, it was on Wade Bob's uh, uh youtube and you know we just was polishing up our skills and then 2020 came we were like yo let's lock in and do this album called the growth because we're there i think i think we're finally there so we got some beats and we locked in and we did the growth album we got paul wall on it millie's on it um you know static produced the whole thing and then shortly after we went out to brooklyn last march 
And I was like, we recorded the whole album with Static. We did a whole album with Static in four hours. We did 10 songs with Static in four hours called Losses Equal Lessons. And we banged that out and we dropped that July. So we we recorded the album in March and we dropped it July 2nd. And then here we are now. I dropped this album in December. And the reason why I wanted to drop 21 Bridges in December before you know 2022 where we're at now is because i just wanted to get it out and uh you know start 22 off fresh obviously you know i'm gonna put some songs out from 21 bridges in 2022 but more so i just wanted to get the album out in 2021 because the energy was from 2021 2022 i'm thinking about other things maybe it will be a way barber album who knows you know now um for 2022 do you have um like any uh, albums planned, like uh, any specific dates or anything ready to go? Without thinking, giving away I think I much? got my eyes. You know, the thing is this, man, you know, back to the cancer, the segue back into the cancer thing and all that. I just think that anxiety and mental health and, you know, what it taught me was someone who deals with mental health issues too. And I got compulsive thinking and, you know, I'm an overthinker and, you know, I'm a, I'm a visionary, you know, I, I've been to the top of the mountain in Beverly Hills, you know, I've been on airplanes, trains, I've been around the biggest stars in the world, you know, I've been to a lot of places that a lot of people haven't been, you know, and I'm blessed, yeah. you know, I got a platform, like show off radio, you know, Shade 45, you're looking out for me, throwing the platform out there to, that I can speak on, and I think at the end of the day, and I said this on Static Show, that you know, we're all just trying to tell our story. And I fight with that every day, Craig. I, I don't know where to tell my story yet. You know what I mean? Do I put it on a record? Does that even make sense now? Does that anybody even give a fuck? You know what I mean? Should I put it on a podcast like your podcast? Should I make a documentary? Like, where do you tell your story? So I fight with that every single day. And that can lead to depression. And I feel like a lot of cats out there like me, and they have that same thing. They want to tell their story, but they get overwhelmed because they don't know where to tell it. Like, what are you going to put it on TikTok? Like, hey, man, check out, you know, this interview I did. Does anybody even give a shit in today's climate? So it's a tough thing to deal with to try to figure out where to tell your story. So, um, but what I realized is with the cancer stuff and all that anxiety and all that depression and all the funny feelings that I have inside and all these different things, like I said, even with 21 Bridges, if you're a religious person and you're not, you know, um, some people might not be into religion. That's fine. But like I said, I knew I was speaking about my whole project was about cancers of the industry. I had a Google Chad Bozeman because I didn't know exactly what cancer Chad Bozeman died from. Right. So when I was Googling him, I seen it was colon cancer and stuff. So here I am like three weeks before that Googling this guy about colon cancer. And then three weeks later, I find out I have colon cancer. So the point is all these funny feelings and all these different signs that come towards me, the anxiety and where do I tell my story and everything, all the funny feelings. Is it anxiety? Is it a disorder? Or is it God? So where I'm at now is fear not. I'm not going to fear all that. I'm fear not. If it is God, I'm going to turn around and say, all right, man, what do you want with me? You know what I mean? Fear not. I'm going to look him in the face and and, and just fear not and just put it, put it out there. So to answer that question, I'm, I'm kind of right now thinking of putting out an album called Fear Not. Because of them anxieties, just put it yeah. out. Fear not. Whatever your whatever your problem is, because like I said, that funny feeling might be gone. All that anxiety you have, you running, you trying to figure things out in life. You can't put it together. Things ain't working out. Relationships ain't right. 
you know what? That just might be God knocking on your door like, hey, man, you know, I'm here. No, yeah. fear not. I know you look, you know, people look at God because the thing about God is it's like he's such a powerful, you know, such a powerful thing. So you just don't even want to like deal with that because you know how powerful he is. What do you want with me? But fear not. Let him take control and see what happens. So that's what I'm looking forward to do. Maybe uh, do this album called Fear Not. I'm just trying to figure out the dialogue of it and how to come at people. Cause like I said, I don't want to jump on people's necks, even with 21 bridges. I don't want to step on people's necks with cancer, cancer, or step on people's necks with God, God. But I, I want people to get the point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I honestly have a lot of um, anxiety, like off and on. And uh, I hate it. It's such a friggin' hassle to deal with. But um, those three albums that you just dropped in, in the last two years, I, I really like them. I, I hope you do put out another one pretty soon. Yeah, man. And like I said, you know, all I am, man, I'm basically for cats like you, man, because you got anxiety. And I'll tell you right now, until you deal with something like, <laughs> let me be clear, you don't want to deal with cancer. I don't wish no, that on no. you. <laughs> but if you dealt with something like that, then you realize that all that little anxiety you had, whether it's going to the mall, whether it's dealing with people, social events, relationships, bosses at work whatever it might be the type of anxiety that you have compulsive thinking because compulsive thinking can kill you it can just drive you insane you think about something you can't get it out of your head and next thing you know you know you're talking yourself to death it's just it gets crazy mental health is your brain is so fragile you know what i'm saying so yeah. until you go through something like cancer where you're not in control you got to go to the hospital you got to say you know, you're cut open and you're laying on the hospital bed and you're on your back and you legit got to get on your feet and you got to have the nurses take care of you and you got to be hit with that humble pie. None of that anxiety that you thought, you know what I mean? That shit don't even matter because now you're focused on the biggest shit. You realize how strong you really are and you realize what anxiety is. And like I said, that's fair not because when you're in that situation, you got no choice but the man to fuck up, put an H on your chest and handle it. Problem is we get too content out here. We get too comfortable out here and we stop bitching and complaining about a lot of shit. And you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden the anxiety comes in and we kind of put that on ourselves. You know yeah. what I mean? Looking for that pity party. Because, you know, like I said in one of the songs on 21 Bridges, on uh, Time to Collect, I said, I grew up in the era in the tracks where the pimps meet. Nowadays they solicit your mind with sympathy. Because, you know, pimps, solicit, pimps and hookers solicitate, right? You know, you got a girl on the corner in a miniskirt, you're driving home from work and you're like, oh my God, look at her. And you turn around and she's like, hey baby. The next thing you know, she's in your car. Right. That's called solicitation. But nowadays, they solicit your mind with sympathy. So that's where everybody's at. My mental health. I'm yeah. not doing so good. I'm hurt inside. You know what I mean? And, and, and people well, are running. Well, they want you full of fear. Yeah, and, and that's They're what it is. They solicit the you with fear and they're and people are running off that narrative and like the sad, the poor boy shit, the pity party shit. And you see a lot of that on TikTok, Instagram, you know what I mean? Like, get up, you can do it. And a lot of these inspirational cats, that's why I think the inspiration culture is fake. Because a lot of these people try to run with that inspiration culture vibe. Like, you can get up, Craig, you can do it. Get up and go to the gym and kill it. But the dude who's telling you to go to the gym and kill it is sticking himself with steroids. He looks like a million dollars because he's juiced out of his mind. It's not real. And then a lot of people are like, oh, on the inspiration culture, because they don't want to be canceled. 
they don't want they don't want to be canceled by the cancel culture. So a lot of this shit is fake. So at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is, is that. Like I said, mental health is a real thing, man. You know, yeah. And uh, fear not, man. Sometimes these funny feelings trying to figure all this life out and everything. And you, you got to and you, you have a, and, and you're enlightened. And you see through the bullshit, you see through the TikToks, you see through the Instagram, you see through the Facebook, you see through all that, and you're really enlightened. You got to say to yourself, all right, man, what does that mean? Like, why am I so enlightened? Maybe it's God trying to tell you something. So fear not, you know what I'm saying, and put some time into that and uh, see what happens in your life. And and that's where we're at, you know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, man, I hope I hope everybody can understand that, you know what I'm saying? Mental health is definitely a real thing. Yeah. I want to be respectful of your time. I just get a couple more quick questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you're the those three albums you just put out um, in the last two years. There's a lot of really positive songs and messages on them, um, especially on the growth with songs like "Visualize" and "Groundwork," "Better Days" and stuff. Um, were you always into like this uh, positive mindset, or was that something you had to work on, or like did something happen in your life that made you a more positive person? That's a great question. Well, JFK initially stands for justice for the kids, right? So we're all just kids at the end of the day. We're all God's children, and we're all just kids trying to figure it out. They say a creative adult is a um, child who survived, right? So that's what I try to do it for. I just try to put the messages out. So I'll sacrifice, you know, even like early on with the show-off days, like I sacrifice sitting on the bench. You know what I mean? I did that on purpose. I didn't have to. You know, like I said, I let people see the potential in me back then. So when I got in a position where I am now, I can drop the growth. I can drop the losses equal lessons. I can drop the 21 bridges. And everybody's like, damn, JFKs. You know what I'm saying? The people who were, like I said, it doesn't matter if it's five people or 5,000 people. But the people who are checking and seeing, they're like, damn, he's coming out with content. He's coming out with music. Because now I'm in the position to lock in and be more into my artists. I'm more to be to be more into the the MC and part of it and be more pushing the pen. And, you know, back then, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to figure our way out of a maze. So was I always positive? Yes. That's always been my mind state to drop jewels. Cause it's not about me. The only way to keep it is to give it. So anything that I know I'm going to give it. And if I can give it, then I'm going to keep it. And that's, and that's JFK all day, you know? Yeah. And the way, the way that you um, like have a message like that to people in your music, I, it reminds me of like uh like the classic hip hop that we grew up on, like in the eighties, like you had like people like rock him, like, you know, just dropping serious knowledge on people. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's about, man. It's like, I, like I said, the only way to keep it is to give it man. And, and that's what it's all about. You got to have the growth mindset. You can't have, you know, we're living in an era where it's the tit for tat. Oh, you unfollowed me. All right. Then I'm going to block you. You know what I mean? Oh, you, you said, you know, you made a, di- <laughs> you, you said made this, this song about you. me. You know what I mean? I'm going to diss you. It's like, man, you don't have to go. You don't have to do that tit for tat shit. You understand what I'm saying? Like you never let somebody else mess with your character. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like perfect example. Like I got two kids, right? Well, I actually got three kids, right? But I got two young kids, right? And I got an older daughter who's 22. And um, we was going to a birthday party one day and my girl goes, oh, she didn't go to our birthday party, though. And I looked at my girl and I said, so what? I'm not going to, you know, I'm still going to show up to hers just because she didn't go to mine. I'm not going to break the character. 
And that's the type of world we live in, you know, the mentality where you just can't break your character. There's a lot of fuckery. There's a lot of people in the game, whoever's listening right now, who knows what trolls will end up listening to this podcast. And if you're listening, there's a lot of you guys out there that overlook JFK that don't even acknowledge me, that watch me. And I see you on my stories. And like, I don't want to get petty, but I mean, you're on my story. I can see who sees it. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm like, wow, you see it. And you like you just said, Randy, you just put out three albums in the last two years you didn't say nothing about one song and three albums i mean shit it's not like i put out one album in three years i mean in two years i put out three <laughs> you know what i mean and i was on static's album you know what i mean and i do i pump videos out like it's nobody's nobody's business and right. i do all my own videos i edit my own videos i do my own thing so a lot of these people don't acknowledge you or even say what's up well like i said it's not me wanting validation for you but a head nod is nice because someone will always remember a compliment before they remember, you know, will always remember a compliment. I mean, a compliment goes a long way. You know what I'm saying? So it just to be like, hey, man, I fuck with you or a thumb. Hey, man, it goes a long way. But when people just watch you and they don't acknowledge you and they're in the same business as you, it's like, what does it mean? But here's, here's, here's the deal. I'm not going to break my character and read into that and say something about it and say, Hey buddy, what's the deal? Blah, 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 blah. Because you know what? Guys like that usually pull their own card. You end up going to a show and they come up to you and say, Hey JFK, what's up, man? I seen your shit. You're doing your thing. And that's the same guy that I'm looking at. Like, yeah, you saying this to my face, but on the internet, you don't say a word. You yeah. got a platform and you don't share it. You don't even, and, and that, them are not your people. Cause if you got to ask your people to do something for you, to show you love, then they're not your people. You know what I mean? So that's what it's all about, just trying to give the message to people and just try to say, hey, man, only way to keep it is to give it. You know what I mean? And honestly, I know it's cliche. You know what I mean? The energy, the blessed, and all that shit is cliche. We we, we killed it. We, we It's such the most unoriginal thing. Everybody uses it in their own terms. People say they're blessed when they got a Gucci belt on. It, you know what I mean? A lot of this shit is crazy. So I understand it's hard to decipher it all. But at the end of the day, it's cliche, but it's true. If you got liquor in your refrigerator and you smoking weed in front of your kids, guess what? Your kids are going to drink liquor and smoke weed. I, you know what I mean? It's very simple. Just don't do that shit in front of your kids and your kids will have a better chance. It's simple shit. Some things just haven't changed. You know what I'm saying? And that's just what it is. And it's all about, to answer your question about the jewels, it's all about creating dialogue on the songs and on the track list. Like you said, visualize. What does that mean? Let's talk about it. Groundwork. What does that mean? Let's talk about it. You know what I mean? Um, rock bottom. What does that mean? Sorry. What does that mean? You know, uh, the, the song Ellis, you know, everybody love life. It's special. What does that mean? What type of dialogue can you talk about off the track list? And that's what I'm into, you know, speaking on some dialogue so we can uh, enlighten some people, man, and uh, get them through these struggles, man, because it's tough out here. Yeah. Um, what you mentioned in there about, like, helping other people out to help yourself and and uh, feeling good and stuff is, is basically, like, why I started my radio show almost 10 years ago is because I wanted to help out my friends Granite State uh, ape the grim you know people in trap jaw affiliates and, and play statics music you know and get my friends music out there you know and it's it's one of the best things i've ever done you know and yeah you're killing it too man i, I see, always I see i've always been the music. saying for a long time like if you don't help your friends then who will you know because you're not a friend if you're not going to help your friends out 
and you're not asking for nothing. You don't want that validation. You're not running out there going, hey, man, I did this many radio shows in three years and 10 years, and I did this and I did that and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Hey, you right. might say, hey, check out my playlist. Check it out. You know what I yeah. mean? Check what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Give you a nod. You know, props to you, Craig. You're killing it. I get it. You know what I mean? But a lot of these cats, man, they don't know how to put that into context. They go on their social media platforms, whether they're in sobriety, whether they're rappers or whether they're roofers. It doesn't matter what game they're in. And they go on there and they say, look what I did. Look what I did. You got to respect me for what I did. This is what I did. So you got to respect me. And it's just like, yo, that's what I don't ever want to be. And that's why JFK is justice for the kids. I always want to say, hey, check what I did. Y'all see what I did, but y'all can do it too. And hey, I got an idea. We can do it together. I got an idea, the 50-plus bar challenge. Yo, I got an idea, the show-off casino. Yo, I got an idea. You see what I'm saying? To maybe help everybody. You know right. what I mean? On all levels. That's what I'm about. I don't want your validation because someone that's screaming, look at me, look at me, look at me, is really saying, look at me, I need help. Look at me, I need help. I don't feel good about myself. I'm doing all this, and I still feel empty. That's what I see. Yeah. And that's what people are not talking about. The ones that are chasing that validation are really seeking help. And uh, I talk about that all the time. And like I said, it's a fine line between wanting your credit and chasing validation. Just like it's a fine line between an opportunist and an opportunity. These, these mm. fun, you know, gray areas, even with sobriety, there's fine lines with it. You know, is smoking weed sobriety still or it isn't? See, we blur out them lines sometimes. We got to figure it out and we got to. And that's what. I do the style of music the, the way I do it is because we can we can uh, make songs about this or we can, you know, have a, a song title and we can talk about that dialogue. We can, you know, spark a conversation about it and then figure it out and help us navigate through the bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I have to know, do you have a top five favorite albums of all time? Absolutely. I would say my my. Uh, I would say my number one, one of them would be, um, one of them would be uh, All Means Necessary by uh, Boogie Down Productions. Yep. Number two would be um, NWA, the first one, straight out of Compton. Um, number three, I would have to go with, um, shit, man, I don't know which one I would go with. Because I love him so much, but I would have to go with uh shit. So number three, huh? I this is in no order either. Oh, okay. Do you want it in order? No, I, I thought you I thought you were saying DDP was your favorite. Well not I, I would say if I would have to put number one, I would have to say my number one would be my philosophy. I mean, that excuse might, me, all means necessary. KRS one song. Yeah, All Means Necessary is the name of the album. I would have to yeah. say that's my number one. My number two would be N.W.A. My number three, I would have to say uh, Spice One. Um, what is it? Which album was that? Um, the oh, Spice. the one late that came out like around um, Medicine <laughs> Society around that time? Yeah. Oh, damn it. He's got like a green cover with he's pointing a gun. Oh, 187. Uh, 187 Proof. Yeah. Uh, number three would be 187 Proof. Uh, Spice One. Number four would be, um, you know, we're talking about front to back albums. That would be number three. Number four. Um, shit, man. I would go with um, 
Shit, I have to throw us in there, man. I'd have to say uh, number four would be balanced beam. Fuck it, we'll throw that in there to just speed up the. There's so many albums. I mean, it's a tough speed. question. Like if you if you haven't really thought about it much, it is. It's a it's a tough question. But that would be my top three right off the rip. You know what I'm saying? My go to if I was like in the car chilling, I you know I would play that album. I would play, you know, the and I always play the NWA album because that's the nostalgic vibes that I get from them albums. And yeah. uh, you know, and then number three, you know, like I said, I would go to the West Coast. Them two, I'd go to the West Coast with uh, Spice One because I thought he did his thing. If I had to take it back to the East Coast, I would say, um, you know, Reasonable Doubt is mm-hmm. one and Illmatic. So Reasonable Doubt, Illmatic. So you got BD, uh, BDP, My Philosophy. I mean, excuse me, um, All Means Necessary. Number yep. two, straight out of Compton. Number three, we'll stay in the West Coast, uh, 187 Proof, Spice One. Number four, Reasonable Doubt. Number five, Illmatic. That's a good list. Um, so I have one more question, but before we get to it, I just want to ask if you um, can let people know where they can find you online and give any shout-outs you might have. Yeah, at JFK Show-Off, man. Um, just Google JFK Show-Off. Um, if you really want to get a more bigger search, just look up JFK Show Off anywhere. Yeah, at JFK Show Off um, on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. And if you want a uh, broader search, you can Google uh, JFK Static Selector. Yeah. And do you have any shout outs? Yeah, man. Shout out to you, Craig, man. I see what you're doing, man. You know what I mean? Um, I appreciate the love, man. I appreciate, you know, appreciate you, um, you know, being a fan or, you know, more so. I wouldn't say a fan like that. I would say more and less being, you know, someone who's a peer, you know what I mean? That's sitting back saying, Hey man, this dude's putting in work and I'm going to throw him up on what I got going on, you know, because you never know, you know, you, you, you turn around, hit the power ball tomorrow. Right. You know what I'm saying? So always give you the flowers, you know what I'm saying? Working, doing your thing on the radio, from the radio show to the podcast, you know, everything helps, man. And, um, and it's like I said, even with this podcast right here, you know, I'll take little bits and pieces of this podcast and I'll chop it up and I'll put a little video to it and I'll help push it. Oh, and that's thanks. what artists got to do, too. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they got to work it, too. And a lot of these people just want to get on a Craig podcast and think, OK, I'm going to get on the podcast and, and that's it. Now you got to do your work, too. You know, and uh, so shout out to everybody out there that's working, doing their thing. Shout out to Static, the whole show off fam. Shout out to New Hampshire. Shout out to Boston. Shout out to Maine, New England. You know, there's a lot of lot of great, great people from the new england area and it's insane if you really really want to talk about that that's another story so many people are from the new england area so just think about that but yeah, yeah shout out to true. new england thank you for that and um so i'd like to end the show on a on a really positive note um for anyone out there that's having a really rough time like their life just completely sucks they feel completely hopeless and they they just have basically given up they don't know what else to do what advice would you give someone like that um, and trying to live a more positive life or get some momentum, you know, in the right direction. It's back to what I said, man. You know, right now, if you listen to, if you've been listening or you're just listening right now, um, it's all about, I'm trying to figure out the dialogue. I'm at a point in my life where I'm just trying to keep my dialogue clean. I fight with myself every day of trying to make sure I'm saying the right things, doing the right things, you know, trying to be a good man. And um, I fight with that every day because, you know, we all fall off and, find yourself saying fuck this and fuck that part of my language you know and it's like i don't want to be that guy right, right. So i'm trying to keep my dialogue clean and i think it starts with your dialogue mm. you know watch what you're saying man 
you know, watch what you're saying because what you're saying is you're putting out that you're putting that out there in the universe. You know, one of my nephews, he's going through a rough time right now, and he's always saying he's fat and he's ugly. And I say, hey, listen, man, you keep saying that. You know, you you know, Mike Tyson said something that's very smart. Um, your 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 inner conscience doesn't know that you're joking when you say something like that. When you're putting yourself down all the time, I ain't shit. I ain't nothing. You know, I'm no good. You know, and you're just down on yourself. Your inner conscience don't know that you're that you're playing pretend. Doesn't know that you're joking around. So you're putting this all into your head, and you can you can create things. Things start happening for the wrong or for the better. So my advice is, like I said, I'm trying to figure out the dialogue, and I'm trying to figure it out now. When you have them funny feelings inside, fear not. That mm. funny feeling, that anxiety. It might be God. So don't don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. And just, you know what I mean? And just one day at a time, get down on your knees, man, and just say, Father God, thank you for this life. Thank you for this life, God. Thank you. And see what happens. Try that. That's all. Father God, thank you. That's all you got to do. You know what I mean? And, and them funny feelings, like I said, God might be tracking you down. And, you know, there might be a bigger purpose. And I, and like I said, I don't want to get all into the God stuff and all that because some people ain't into that. But, hey, I'm at a point in my life, I, I don't know what else to tell you. If you listen to anything in this podcast and everything what I'm saying, there's a lot of things that I've been through. And, you know, at this point, I have to say it's God. You know, that's the mm. only thing that makes sense at this point, you know, and fear not. And I'm just rolling with God. So that's the advice I'd have to say. Yeah, that's a really good answer. I really appreciate that. And uh, thank you very much for joining me on, on the show tonight. I'm really grateful that uh, we had this conversation. And uh, I'm really appreciative of all the stuff you've done and all the all the history you guys have made with Show Off and, and just the incredible albums you're putting out lately. It's 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 really a, a big deal and, and it's huge. So thank you for everything you've done in, in the past few years and, and however long you've been you know putting out music. Yeah, long time, man, long time. Now it's time, you know, you're just at a point as far as the art goes, you know, just to really lock in and make sure everything's, um, everything is just a weld, a, a well-oiled machine and everything, you know, is cohesive with everything, you know, and that's where I'm at now, you know. And at one point, you know, I didn't have it figured out like that. And now that's, that's why I'm so into projects because I feel like I'm at a point where I can make cohesive music. I can get a, a beat pack from Static and say, now nah, I don't like this beat, send me some more, and I could pick the right beats, and I could come up with the track list, like, even with uh, the Growth album, you know, I, I basically did, you know, the whole track list, the song ideas for that, Losses Equal Lessons, you know, Baba has a, Baba was like my mechanic, you know what I mean? Like, I say, okay, we're gonna come up with a song called Vision, Visualize, and he'd be like, alright, and then he'd come up with the hook, you know what I mean? Mm. And the idea, I would explain, yo, just visualize will come true, you know, and he'd be like, alright, so it was cool working with um, Baba, because um, it's, it's, it's easier to bounce ideas off somebody you know so hopefully me and bobby get back to it and drop something um drop something soon man you know got to figure it out but i appreciate the love man and uh let me ask you a question what's sure. your favorite jfk joint whether it's with wade baba on a static oh, album what is uh it, i i don't know the first one that comes to mind is drunken nights i really like that track um i love groundwork and um i really like um what is it in your area yeah, in your area is a fun track. I like Danger on the new album, and um, oh, the song after it is that you can't lie to God. Yeah, yeah, that's a great track. 
absolutely yeah i mean you're you're putting out really really incredible music and uh you know it's it's not going unnoticed at all i'm i'm playing it all the time on the show and it's just you know i i hope you keep doing it this year yeah man we're gonna push man. i appreciate it man so uh again i really appreciate you coming on tonight and uh i hope 2022 is is an incredible year for you absolutely you as well my man all right take care all right one love my brother peace The, 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 the Craig Noise 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 No